0: Good morning everyone and good morning everyone out there in the interweb world, the digital world. It's great to have everybody here and uh, we're going to continue talking a little bit about serving if you hadn't picked that up from the uh, scripture reading this morning and I appreciate Josh uh, so much sharing what he shared about communion because it really ties right into that theme about serving at home and not serving at our home church. We talked about that last week. Uh, But serving at home with our families, and we're really going to be hitting that. Now, of course, our memory scripture for the whole serving theme uh, that we've had, and actually this is the last Sunday that we're going to be hitting on the the, the serving series, but in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves, looking not to your own interests, ...but also the interest of others in having the same attitude as that of Jesus. So that's what we're going to continue to talk about with serving. We've talked about just the overall uh, heart of serving. Jesus' heart of serving. We've talked about serving in our community. We've talked about serving in our church. And now we bring it home because, uh, you know, the state charity begins at home, right? Or hospitality begins at home. And according to one swami... (laughs) He said, not only does charity and hospitality start at home, spirituality begins at home. And uh, really is, that's that's what we're talking about. If you're going to have a heart of serving, it's got to begin in the home. Because our faith, Christianity, is something that's better caught than taught. And uh, when you see it, not just on Sunday, you know, sometimes one of the challenges of our faith Uh, is that we compartmentalize it, you know. That's what I do on Sunday, or that's what I do on Wednesday sometimes, or whatever. Instead of it's part of my life all the time, and it's part of my home life. And when we see it at home, when our children see it at home, it's not something that's taught, it's something that's caught and put into our lives, because that's just the way it is. Jesus said in Matthew 23, the greatest among you must be the servant, the servant of all. So we want to be servants And we want to be the greatest servants, we need to start in the home. Now, this key scripture that Frank read earlier, I'm going to read it again. Uh, And this is the key scripture for for today's lesson. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 through 8. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn to first, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. So that uh, and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray, and to ask uh, to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure, is dead, even while she lives. Give the people these instructions, so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially. For their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever so Paul's instructing Timothy Timothy's in Ephesus Paul's given Timothy some instructions as an, as an evangelist this is what you need to teach a church that's what he said right there in verse 7 right teach give the people these instructions this is what you need to teach them learn how to grow to learn how to be like Jesus having that heart that Josh pointed out just a few moments ago even on the cross when it's fair to say he was pretty distracted, okay, and really easy to be focused on his own needs at that time, still had the heart to take care of family. And our attitude needs to be the same as, as, as Jesus. So Paul's telling Timothy, instruct the people, teach the people on this, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to break this passage down uh, and see what Paul's really saying, and hopefully we can learn something along the way. Now, verse 3 starts out, we see we need to take care of those in the church who really need help. They really need it, okay? They're not sitting back taking advantage of the church. Okay, he hits that in verses 5 and 6. Paul also talks about that pretty, pretty bluntly to the church in Thessalonica. Uh, about people who are taking advantage of that charitable heart. And the, and the things of the church. Uh, but he says, look, there, there are those in need, and the church needs to take care of it. Now, in our culture... It is a little different than their culture. Our culture, we have a lot of programs, in, a, in America at least, okay? Not in all countries uh, around the world, but in America, there are a lot of services and other organizations and the government and different things that do different things uh, to help take care of people, but that doesn't let the church off the hook, okay? That's not like saying, well, you know, uh, 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 you know it's, it's all taken care of or whatever. Uh, however, it, I mean, it helps out. Okay, and we need to to take advantage of those things, but it doesn't take our responsibility. The church should be one of the things that really helps out. And as he sets that down, he moves into verse 4, and he lays down this this principle. And so much of the Bible is principles, not just commands, yes, no, but principles to live by. He says, families should take care of families. This is a basic principle. And I find that, well, let's, let's read it again. It says, but if the widow has children and grandchildren... These should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family, and so repaying their parents and their grandparents, for that's pleasing to God. Our culture has moved, continues to move farther and farther away from this. I think as our world gets more and more, uh, uh, the technology or whatever, we travel, we go, it's, it's not uncommon. I mean, our children don't live, uh, you know, I think the closest one is with two and a half to three hours, depending upon how many times we got to stop on the way, uh, you know, to get to uh, the closest kids, and we got other kids in other states and stuff. Many of us are in that situation. We're not all very fortunate, like the Cochran's who have all their kids and grandkids right here in Champaign. Uh, but 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 you know, the kids are are, are scattered about. And then grandparents, if, if you're fortunate enough to still have your grandparents out, they're scattered about. And and our culture gets more and more that way, and as that happens. We're kind of conditioned to say, you know, I, I raise you till you're 18 and then you're on your own, pal. And then, you know, and then we, we don't, and when we never look back after, after, uh, after we move out of the house. But we see here that what he's saying, what's pleasing to God, what God is, is the first line of help is family. And this extends from children to grandchildren. And again, our, our culture, And their culture, the the, the families stayed together much more grand, it would be not uncommon to have two, three, four generations living together. Uh, I was blessed for a portion of my life to have five generations alive at one time, but we didn't all live together, Uh, so it was was a great blessing to have, and we've got that photo of five generations of us there uh, with, with our oldest son. But but we talk about here, they're called, they were together, and there's something something special. And even though we may not be physically living together or whatever, that doesn't take away from the principle of what God is laying out here through Paul. And the principle here is we all have responsibilities. Now, it's not just to, you know, take care of the aging parents and grandparents. That, that is a responsibility, uh, and especially when parents can take care of themselves. Okay, sometimes it is a situation where, you know, I, I know myself, Phyllis, many parents, we don't want our children to take care of us. As a matter of fact, almost every parent I know would consider it a failure if I had to rely on my children to take care of me. We don't want to be a burden to our kids, and that's the way we feel. We feel like it's not supposed to be that way. You know, and that's kind of a cultural thing for us too, uh, but, but you know what, sometimes it, it comes to that. Sometimes it does. With my dad, it, it, it didn't. He, he passed at a point in his life. He was retired. They were living. Uh, he got sick and died very quickly. And there was never a time that we needed to take care of him or take care of their finances. My mother was a totally different uh, story. She was able to live several years after my dad passed fine, doing great financially. But then, uh, being things what they were, her, her mind deteriorated far faster than her body did, and she couldn't take care of herself, uh, and even though things, even, even physically and mentally, she couldn't take care of herself, even financially she could, but she couldn't in other ways, and it fell to, to our three sons, and you know, we moved from New England to Texas, our primary reason was to be close to her and to help out, and we worked with that, and we did that with, uh, with my brothers for Another, quite some time, I mean, until it got to the point to where we couldn't, because she had to have somebody with her 24 hours a day, um, and we, we, with, with what we did, we, we couldn't figure that out. Uh, you, you couldn't leave her, because she'd walk out the front door, she'd be two houses down and forget where in the world she was, and, you know, then, when we, then we got a problem. So, uh, you know, we, we worked through several different uh, memory care facilities. I thought, I don't know how many, three, four, five, before we finally found uh, the, the, the right place. And then whatever monies that she had, whatever monies the state put forth, and different things like that, and the VA uh, benefits, but when that ran out, then the kids kicked in, and we kick in to take care because that's what you do. You take care of family. So like some, sometimes it's necessary, sometimes it's not. Okay, but that principle there is. He said they should learn to put their religion into practice. It's a very pointed statement. How you take care of your family is a direct reflection on your faith. Financially, physically, emotionally. There are different ways of taking care of family and looking to that. Now he moves on in verses 5 through uh, 6. He says, the widow who is really in need and left all alone... Puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. There's a difference here, I notice, between being in need and being really in need. And that's why he puts it. The widow who is really in need, she's left all alone. There's no one. There's no other options. There's no family options. There's no Government options, there's no whatever option, there's zilch. He goes, Those are the ones that go, Okay, God, help me out here. And that's where the kingdom of God gets in. But he also speaks to those others who are really basically trying to scam the system, if you will, and get other people to take care of them when they could do for themselves. And he says, Okay, that, that one, he says, Those who live for pleasure are dead even while she lives. Then he moves on to the most challenging part of this whole passage. Verse 8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow. Now, this is, a, again, a principle. It's not a command, but it strongly implies God has an expectation here. God has an expectation. He says, and when I'm not understanding this principle, when I'm not reaching this expectation, it, it, it reflects something very, very deep that's really going on down inside. He talked about serving at home, serving my home. My family is of number one importance. It's not my only responsibility. We all have many other responsibilities as children of God. And we've talked about those in the past. We've talked about responsibilities to serve our fellow man and our community. We talk about responsibilities within the church family. Uh, And even as Josh mentioned before, you know that family, that brothers and sisters in church and 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 to serve one another. But now he's talking about this responsibility at home. And that's the only one who says if you don't do this one, you've denied the faith doesn't matter if you go to church. It doesn't matter if I say, oh, but I love Jesus. He says, well, with your actions, you're not putting that religion into practice. You, you're denying the faith. You're worse. How, how do you get worse than an unbeliever? You know, how, how do you? I, the only thing I can imagine is, is that as, as an, uh, an unbeliever doesn't make Christianity look bad. Because he's not a believer. Nobody looks at him and says, yeah, that Christianity is all fake. They're a bunch of hypocrites. He goes, no, he's he's not even trying. He's he's not even claiming to be a Christian. But when someone says, I'm a believer, I'm a follower, I love Jesus, I'm a disciple of Jesus. But they're not taking care of that. He says, now you're really making it look bad. You're giving Jesus a bad reputation. Now, I want to caution us parents, because we got some older folks here. Maybe old older folks out there in the uh, digital land. We're not talking about pressuring your kids into taking care of you. Okay, we're not talking about, yeah, okay, Ron, you overlooking at your kids here? All right, we're not, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking about, hey, Jay, hey, pal. Don't pay back mom and dad, you know. we got three adult children. They're all married. Some of them make more money than we do. Well, let's. how about kicking in a little? <laughs> all right, I mean... I wouldn't refuse it, but I'm just saying that's not what this passage is about. It's not talking to me as a parent. It's talking to me as a child, okay, or as a grandchild. That's who it's written to, and if I don't take care of my family who really needs it, not just lazy in character or whatever, but if I don't take care of those who really needs it, then I'm worse than an unbeliever. I remember this fellow, and I don't need to mention his name or anything. He he was a a minister at a small church. And this church had been around a long time, but it had uh, grown old, and the membership had gotten older and older. And it kind of got to the point to where, uh, you know, they couldn't even get a a preacher to come in. So they got this guy, and he'd been there forever. And he was staying there, and they didn't want to let him go. And uh, they all appreciated how much, uh, you know, he, he was loyal to the church, and he would serve the church. But everybody I spoke to in that church, and I knew all the members of this church, everybody I spoke to said, but man, isn't it a shame about his mom? I said, what? I said, well, she's in the nursing home right here in town, but he never goes by. He never sees her. He never visits. And this was just this shadow hanging over him that the whole church... Everyone I spoke to brought it up, and I go, "Wow, you know, now, okay, he could preach. He 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 would be there at that church, and he was their minister, but that was the one thing everybody brought up. Uh, it, it, it's the type of thing it is so important. Family, and how important family really is, Paul." Paul lays out some teachings about family in Ephesians chapter 5. And he talks about husbands loving your wives like Christ loved the church. He talks about wives being submissive to their husbands and respecting them. He talks about how to treat your kids, raise your kids, you know, and don't embitter them and, and, and all of that type of a thing. But he says something in verses 32 and 33. He says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Now, either the church is the model for the body of Christ or the body of Christ is, I mean, the the, the family is modeled after the body of Christ or the body of Christ is modeled after the family. I don't know exactly what he's getting at here. Could be a chicken and the egg kind of thing. I, I don't really know. But I know that family unit has been, since Adam and Eve, the core of the society God created. The very first command God gave Adam and Eve was make babies. Be fruitful, multiply. That was the first command he gave them. Make a family. Now Sometimes we have a a hard time with this, and I I understand that. We have a hard time thinking that family is is so important. And I need to take care of my family. Because sometimes for some of us, family wasn't that godly. For some of us, we have bad memories of growing up and of families. We have families that are full of harmful and painful relationships, which does illustrate really what happens when Jesus isn't Lord, and when Jesus isn't Lord for generations. And it really develops those types of things, but I want you to I want you to think about this. If this is where you're at, if this is kind of where you're thinking, I want you to remember this. I can be godly. I can control what I can control. And I can break the cycle. I can make the difference. I can start with my generation and move forward. Somebody's got to start it. Somebody's got to begin. If the family needs changing, if the generational... Family needs changing. I can be the one. It has to start somewhere. Because often, the example of how a family should be moving forward is seen in how we respond to the family looking backwards. As those who say, my attitude is going to be the same as that of Jesus. So consider this. What was Jesus' attitude? Jesus won our hearts by loving and serving us that's how he won our hearts it wasn't the threat of hell it was how much does jesus love me what has jesus done for me that was his method now he wasn't 100 percent successful with it because not everybody responded to it but we responded to it if you're watching this you're responding to that to jesus loving and serving us and we need to take that to heart. We need to take that and, and, and put that into our lives. We need to have the same attitude as that of Jesus Christ. Just like it said in our, our uh, memory verse of Philippians chapter 2. So when he says this, he, he really gets, he digs down deep in this in Ephesians 5, that passage I was mentioning back, in verse 25 when he says, husbands love your wives just like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies specifically talking to husbands love your wife like Jesus loved you but the principle for all of us is Jesus won the whole world by loving them and serving them. That's how he changed hearts. That's how he built his family was he won them with love and serving. And if we can take that spirit, that heart, and say, I want to, even if my family is a a hard situation, I have bad memories, I have hard memories. I can be like Jesus. You know, he said in in Mark chapter 10, a student's not above his teacher. Okay? A servant's not above the master. Be like your teacher. Be like your master. You're not better. You're not an an exception. So what did my teacher do? What did my master do? He said, I'm going to love them. I'm going to serve them. I'm going to give myself for them. I can control what I can control. I don't want to imitate maybe my family. I don't want to, I don't have pleasant memories, but I can control what I can control, how I act, and I can serve at home. Because I want to have Jesus' attitude. Not maybe because they deserve it, but because I want to have Jesus' attitude. Like Jesus, his love and serving wasn't contingent upon how I responded. I'll love you and serve you if you guarantee me you'll respond. That wasn't his spirit. It was just in case. It was to win us. Sometimes it won people over. Sometimes it didn't. But he gave it. And he laid it out there. Perhaps in your family you'll have the same experience. Some will see it. Respect it. Appreciate it. You can win them over. Others, maybe, maybe you'll never win them over no matter what. It doesn't matter though. Let's have the same attitude as Jesus. and Love our families. Win them over uh, loving and serving them, and it's not just my family. Maybe I grew up with the family you got right now, the family God's giving you right now that you're living with, or your roommates that we can do our best to serve and love and win them over. I, I know with Phyllis and I, that w- when our marriage is doing the best and it's cranking and doing awesome, and we're having it's when we're trying to outserve one another. That's when it happens, yeah. And, and Phyllis. She goes, oh, you can serve me all you want. And she's, she's really hard to serve because she's going, no, 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 I'll serve you. And sometimes we get in arguments over who can serve each other more. And that's what a stupid <laughs> thing to argue over. <laughs> but, but when we're this, when we're really trying to outserve one another, and we don't do that all the time, and we're not 100%, we're not perfect. But you, you know, we ask ourselves, how much what, what can I do? How can I serve little things? And again, I'm talking about those of you who are married and in your house, or those of you who are are, are living with your parents still, uh, or those of you who are living with roommates or whatever. It's the same dynamic. What can I do to serve here at my home? What more can, you know, cleaning the yards, cleaning up after yourself, cleaning up after others? Why should I clean? I didn't cook it. I saw the change in my dad. He was not raised in one of those happy homes. And uh, his, 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 his parents weren't happy together. I don't know about his grandparents. I don't know about anything else. His siblings weren't happy in their lives and marriages. And I saw a change in my dad. And the older he got, the softer he got. On the other hand, and I saw it get softer. I'm talking about the soft heart. Because the older he got, the stronger and more secure he got. And he started serving in... You know, it was weird the first time I saw him after dinner getting up and washing the dishes. I'm going, What in the world's going on? What kind of an alternate universe am I in? But then as he, as he just continued to grow and the more, he, more he, he, he served and was giving of himself and when he was dying and he was in the hospital and he was on the hospital bed and he told my mom, he said, thank you. She said, what? And he goes, you saved me. You saved my life. Because she pulled him out of that situation and taught him another way by serving him. Now to our campus students who are watching, I, I know we got a, a service with many campus, but I know we got some uh, that, that are watching online. Some of you are about to go home for Christmas. I want to encourage you, blow your parents' minds by serving them when you're at home for Christmas. Don't go home and go, whoo, we got a break. Because I tell you what, your mama wants to serve you. She wants to take care of you because she's been missing that. She's been missing being mama. But it's going to blow her away when you say, no, now let me do the dishes. Let me help you with the dishes. Let me clean the table. Me, let me take care of this. Let me do this. Serve. And be thinking, what can I do? Roommates do that for each other. And having that attitude of Christ... We don't want our faith, we don't want our religion to be something that we just tack on to our already busy schedule. We want it to be something that comes forth with who we are and what we are, whether we're at home, whether we're in this building, whether the service is on with a digital service, whether we're at work, it's all over and we're serving. So I want you to think through your marriage and ask, how can I serve? I want you to think through your family with your parents and your grandparents, and ask, how can I serve? Think through with your household and your roommates and ask, how can I serve? And when you do, what you're really asking is how can I have the same attitude as that of Jesus if he were living in my life? That concludes our series on serving. I appreciate your hearts. I pray that it will continue to move us To be more like Jesus.